0: Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hello, Jays fans, and welcome to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast brought to you by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and alongside Connor Happer, and josh peterson we'll talk a little basketball this week obviously that's the sport going on right now and connor and josh will be along momentarily to recap both the men's and the women's teams and uh their varying degrees of success this past week Speaking of that success, obviously there's concerns regarding Creighton's 9-8 and eight start to the season and whether or not this team, which had so many expectations attached to it, will even be able to make the NCAA tournament. Well, I'm going to take a look a little deeper into the rest of the schedule and compare it to some recent examples of teams that did get in to the NCAA tournament with a very tough non-conference schedule, but maybe not a great overall record. So we will do that today and maybe try to alleviate some concerns, but certainly there is a path for the Jays to get back on track. It's just going to take a little bit of work in a very tough Big East conference. That'll be coming up here at the end of our podcast today. Each and every week, we are brought to you by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future, When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. And now, here's Connor Happer and Josh Peterson.
1: All right, thank you, John. Welcome back. More of the sixteen twenty the Jays podcast. Another update. Uh, Things have changed yet again for the men's and women's basketball teams at uh, at Creighton since we last updated you. The uh, the women came through with a couple wins, and and the men had a tough week against two really quality opponents. We'll talk about them here on this. And Josh was on the call for the for the Wednesday night women's game against uh, Seton Hall at home. You know, it's it could be a a product of, of sort of the schedule and how things have loosened up for them a little bit, but they, they really needed to get a couple off their back and, and, and that's sort of what they that's – what, that's what it felt like anyway this week was sort of about for them.
2: Yeah, it it was interesting, Hap, talking to Jim Flannery, the head coach. Uh, I I talked to him the morning of the game versus Seton Hall. And, you know, so in that time, since I last spoke to him, I was head of the UConn game, and I wondered, hey, what changed? Because, you know, every loss, and and we kind of hit on this last week, right? Every loss leading up to Providence, you could say, hey, good team. Stanford, good team. Arkansas, good team, et cetera, et cetera. The Providence loss was the first one where I think everyone was like, uh, this, this isn't really what we expected. And, and he talked about the practice was really hard, putting them through it. And and he thought that they responded really, really well. You know, one of the things that I wondered about specifically was they're not ranked for the first time. You know, how do you think that they've responded to that? And he, he was – in a way, you know how sometimes you talk to coaches – and I think they they like that their team is facing a little bit of adversity. Uh I, I kind of got that when I asked him about hmm. the ranking situation. So they came out, man, against Seaton Hall, and they blitzed them. And this was a series last year. Three really good games. Seaton Hall won the last one uh on a on a on a shot with like two seconds left in the conference tournament. So these are two teams that were super familiar with each other. And Creighton, I mean, they just stepped on them. They they had a great finish to the to the first half, and the third quarter was one of the best quarters that I have ever seen in person. Where they were just shooting uh, so well, and the three point shot was returning. Their passing was great. Their defense was great. It, it was it was really good to see them bounce back after what had been a few weeks of you know them being on the struggle bus a little bit.
1: Well, this is sort of a it, this a th- a theme that'll carry over to the men's side too. The, the schedule out of the gate in the conference on the conference side is pretty tricky. I mean, Creighton uh, on the women's side had to deal with the Paul and UConn yep. right out of the gate, and, and now you go into this stretch where you get you get some of the same teams that are that are toward the top of the conference. You know, like Villanova coming up um, next Friday before we talk to you guys again. We um, look at them at home, and, and and you still have the home matchup with the Paul coming up, and and you still have to go to UConn. But I mean. There, there is a lot to sort of look at with this group sort of in the back half, uh, I suppose, of the season now as we really get deeper and deeper in a conference play. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, they're five and three in the league. They, they still have a really good chance to, to assert yeah. their, themselves as one of the top you know, two or three
2: teams in the, in the league still. Yeah, absolutely. They do. And so I think that, you know, we'll talk in sports about like, don't let a team beat you twice. I think we actually might have mentioned this last week, you know, wondering what would happen after that loss to UConn, because that was not a pretty game. They lost by 25 points. They were out of it. I mean, really within the first couple of minutes and they responded with a win and then that tough loss. But they, they have really played well in the last two games. I mean, a 26-point drubbing of Marquette and then a 22-point win over Seton Hall. And, and, you know, I know that I, I mentioned and we mentioned the offense a little bit over the last couple of minutes. But I think it's the defense in the last two games where they have really maybe found their groove. And and that would be huge, of course, because, you know, their offense has been it's been a little up and down and they've had some real good flashes like they had against Seton Hall knocking in a bunch of threes. But they've also had some tough games. Well, when you give up 42 points and 53 points, you are going to win a whole lot a basketball game. So I'm I'm really curious to see what happens in the coming weeks. Seton Hall was the was second in the conference coming into Omaha on Wednesday night and and Creighton performed very, very well. So, you know, UConn of course is head and shoulders above everybody. They're gonna be at the top of the conference, but you know, seeding is going to be really important, and I mean, I guess the the one final thing that I would say, their net ranking is still tremendous. You know that they, they are they're obviously going to be a tournament team, barring a, a real bad collapse. And so that's going to be about seeding and and what they can ultimately be, and and maybe finding that groove. You know, by the time that February finishes up and, and we get into March,
1: man, you mentioned that confidence from Flan. I mean, uh, you know, I, I get the sense, and and as you look at sort of what's to come in the schedule and the way that they tested themselves in the non-con and, and, and of course, you know, things that that were out of their control in the beginning of the the conference slate, um, you you just get the sense that they're going to be okay. Like they're going to be okay. And, and they sort of are who they are, um, which is, you know, it it was tough to swallow. I think that Yukon game, because maybe you felt like this was the team that could, that could maybe challenge as well as, you know, any Creighton team has been able to, over the last, you know, couple of years, um, but that aside, you just feel like you're in a you're in a pretty safe spot. You're on firm ground as you head into, you know, the important part of the season, the later part of January and February and early March.
2: Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I guess I, I would add on top of that, the confidence. He, he they, they made a move where Lauren Jensen, um, she's going to play a more point guard in in the in the coming you know games and weeks. Uh, she's done it now for a couple. And and he told me, he said, look, this isn't a short-term move. He, sa- he says, I don't know I've, what it'll do for us. I don't know if it'll help us short-term, but I think it's going to help us long-term. So it, it's a guy who's certainly looking at the big picture. And okay. after the run that the program went on last year, uh, I think you're able to do that, right? When you trust your team, and I think you really trust his team. I think it's a, it's a nice mix of veterans. You know, they have a couple of young players that – are contributing more and more, and that's why you know games like the one on Wednesday versus Seton Hall can be so valuable because you win by a lot. I mean, look, they only play ten players. No matter what, if they're if they're up by five, if they're down by five, if they're up by twenty. They're up on twenty. They're going to play ten players. Well, at the end of that game, the deep part of the bench was able to get a lot of minutes, and so it's a good veteran group with some young pieces as well. But yeah, I think he really likes this team.
1: Uh, the Jays are back uh, on the road on Saturday against Butler at Hinkle. And then they get a, a sort of nice, you know, it's not a full week long break, but they don't have a, they don't have a midweek game next week before they get Villanova back at home. That's a pretty competitive team. They already beat them on the road, but it's um, you know, now now you get this, you know, you get your feet under you a little bit and um, you start to feel kind of good about where they're at as we sort of transition onto the men's side here that, you know, I, gosh, Josh, last time we talked, <laughs> yeah. um, they had got done with that three game run with Butler, DePaul, and Seton Hall, and you're like, okay, I think I think they feel confident about where they're at right now. Let's see where it lands when they go on the road to you know, and I, and at that point, I don't think we felt the way about Xavier as we do now. Agreed, yeah um but you know that's a really really tough team and and they're gonna be one of the top you know two or three teams in the conference the entire year and they lose both of them and and you know i i was talking about this on on my show today i just i don't know how much and it's it's tough to lose two games in a row and it's tough to lose two games in a row where you felt like you maybe played well enough to win both of them definitely but at the same time you could take it in the big picture. Their, their problems are still their problems. Their bench is still short. They'll have nights where, you know, they, they, they miss open shots. Um, but I, I still feel like the ground underneath them, the foundation is is sort of solid right now. And there's this, like, I mean, it, it's basically like a seven-game stretch down. And I hate to look at it in that big of a picture because teams are never able to go on those sorts of runs in conference. But, I mean, I'll just read the games off to you. Providence has got off to a great start um, this year. I think they've won nine in a row. And they get them at home on Saturday, Mm -hmm. the Creighton men. Butler, St. John's, Xavier, Georgetown, Villanova, Seton Hall. Um, And then then you have, you know, probably your biggest game of the year if everything goes right at home against UConn on Saturday, February 11th. That's a long stretch of time to talk about, but – that's yeah, a I, month from now. <laughs> I, I feel like they are in a position to to rip off a few here. I mean, I I don't know if you could just say win seven in a row, you know, but uh-huh. I, I do I do feel like you're in a good position to to take down a few of these teams. Obviously the Xavier game at home is is huge in a couple Saturdays. Um and if you could take care of business, of course, this coming Saturday against Providence, that would be a huge deal at home. But I mean I I still it's nine and eight. And you're looking at the big picture and you're like, man, is this a tournament team or what is what are we going to be talking about at the end of the year? And I, I still think if they could take care of business in the next you know, month or so, it's it's on, on track as on track as you can be with the stretch they had in December.
2: Yeah. You know, you mentioned that long stretch of time where basically from from right now until then, it's it's going to be a month. And it reminds me of something that that John and I talked about on our show this week, and that was just how this season now has turned into a season of runs. They got up to a 6-0 and start, then they lose six in a row, and so they're 6-6. Six and six. Then they win three in a row, and now they're in the midst of a two-game losing streak, and I don't think it would shock you, I, or, or any of the listeners that they lost again on Saturday. And so you're looking at three straight losses after the three straight wins, and, and it's just – obviously none of us really saw this coming. Um, I, I the, My takeaway, I, I guess, continues to be about that Xavier loss is – how they finally put it together, I think, offensively against a good team like we had been waiting to see really since Thanksgiving, right? So a month and a half-ish. And their defense is the, is the side then that, that isn't able to get some stops. Whereas I think against UConn, the defense performed admirably. You know, they they were trailing at the half. Um, they, they had a great effort to start, a, start off the second half, and they eventually take that lead, and then a run happens. And the same thing happened versus Xavier. Well, they had a, they had a nice – you know comfortable league comfortable enough i guess in the second half and then suddenly a 16 to 2 run happens and so it's just it's a team i think that that maybe you know i like i hate to use the the i word identity but i just wonder if this group really maybe feels comfortable with what they are and what they can be um i i i think back a lot to the preseason and having Greg McDermott on, on sportsmanlike conduct and talking to him about the depth and how you want to talk about things we've missed on all of us, the collectively, that I think is the thing that I will remember as whatever happens with the season, man, we were wrong about the depth of this team. And I just, it just hasn't turned it. It hasn't turned into that group. And so when you see the points off the bench in a road game like this, like it's always going to be tough, right? Your bench players are always going to perform better at home, but they got to get more contributions from those guys. Otherwise they're gonna they're gonna lose these ones. And like, you know, hey, no harm in losing by three points, right? To a top fifteen team. But these are the types of wins that if selection Sunday rolls around and their name doesn't get called, we're gonna look back and be like, Yeah, well, they didn't get that win, that quad one win against Xavier. Oh, one of the things that I pointed out at the beginning
1: of the year, and 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 I think it's it's come up as a theme a couple different times where we've had a chance to look look at this team. They, you know, and you mentioned the, the I word, identity they i think they're they're capable their talent especially with the top five the top you know the starting group says that they can win games in a lot of different ways so you 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 sort of have to pick who you want to be and the fact that you know it, it and and when you when you don't do that you allow the other team to sort of dictate what so so they for example they play a game at UConn where it's 69 to 60 and it's 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 UConn controlling you know what they want to sort of do how they want to play the entire game and then you get into a 90 87 shootout with Xavier and that's exactly how they want to do things too so I I I think you're right I, I think you nailed it and the 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 issue is and I think where people sort of struggle with it is they have the capability to to sort of pick one way or the other, but they've sort of followed the lead of the teams that they've they've played, and they've fallen into that trap yeah. of of not being whatever they want to be. And it's you know the fact of the matter is we're halfway through. It's it's getting late. They're nine and eight, and they're and they're three and three. And all of a sudden we're talking about tournament resumes, and it just. It just gets really tricky in, in January and March, and, and it's tough to ask a team to win six out of seven, seven out of eight, yep. nine in a row, whatever it
2: is, and 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 that's where they are right now. Dude, it sneaks up on you, doesn't it? You know, that, that it's suddenly January 12th. The next time we'll be doing this, it, it's going to be, you know, well past the, the midway point. Of the month and and those conversations like I I just said I think quad one that's probably the first time I've said quad one you know this basketball season and I know I'm like wow we're about to start saying those types of things a whole lot more and and one of the, the the phrases that I always love using whether it's with this or football whatever is is math problem. And and at a certain point, this becomes a math problem where you're running out of time and the percentage, it just has to be greater with the the, the fewer amount of games. So, like, the ceiling is, is still high. Um, I, I just – it's a math problem right now. And so they're going to have to start picking up some of these wins. They're going to have to start picking off some of these teams where they go into them, like the one against Xavier, like the one against UConn, where they're going to be underdogs. And they're going to have to – they're gonna have to win those games, and and like that's the thing. They had leads in both of them in the second half, and so they were they were in both of those games. They were certainly, I would say, they were much more in the Xavier game. It I, kind of I like think people. they're they're kicking themselves for Wednesday. Definitely, okay. definitely. Yeah. You know, UConn was more of like a stiff arm, right? Like UConn, they they allowed Creighton to take the lead, and then they 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 took control and they they had a, a great response. But yeah, the, the 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 Xavier loss, I think, is going to be the one. Again, however, the season ends, that's going to be the one that we're going to look back on as a moment in time that maybe told a story, positive or, or negatively, in terms of how they respond moving forward with it.
1: So there's there's a good side and a bad side of this. There's there's four top thirty teams on on Ken Palm right now in the big East Creighton is one of them. So mm-hmm. the, the, the positive side is when, if it, if it plays out the way it's playing out and Creighton's going to need 19, 20, 20 wins to get into the NCAA tournament, that Arkansas win that they had in Maui is going to be like, oh, we, we, we liked getting that one. Yeah. That's, that's going to be big, especially if they don't, you know, win some of these home games down the stretch. Um, but, you're gonna have to, you know, pick your spot. So UConn is at home, Providence is at home, and Xavier is at home, and the, and, the, and and Marquette's at home, still in the back half of the season. So there there is some positive there, and they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt because of their preseason ranking, yep. because they went on a skid without Kalkbrenner. and you know, so they're they're positively viewed, I think, that way. The negative side is it's almost it's almost the same thing. You just have limited chances this year in the Big East, the way it's played out so far, to grab quality wins and, and especially grab quality wins on the road. They're just flat out almost not there anymore. Yep. So, you yeah, they're think, running out of them, right? I mean, how many are left? I mean, um, you go to – gosh, you go <laughs> – here are your remaining road games. You go to Butler. You go to Georgetown. You go to Seton Hall. You go to Providence, St. John's, and Villanova, and then DePaul. So I guess Providence, um, yeah. if they're if they're able to keep things up, that's a that's a quality quad one win. And there are some that are going to be on the borderline. Sure, yeah, they're going to be right on that line d- depending on how it plays out. But you you know you have to really really take care of business at home. And, and still, I don't know. Like going back to the original point, I don't know how much we should overreact to them. You know, losing a couple games on the road to top. 10-ish, 15-ish teams. Um, but you know, you actually have to do it now because the margin for error is, is just about zero. It's all it's all eaten up at this point.
2: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And that's the thing, like again, like you're just it, it, it's middle of January and there's just not a whole lot of these games left and and yeah, the 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 road wins or the road games rather that they have had, they've had some chances and they've let those chances slip through their fingers. And so what, what happens now? I, I'm looking forward to it. I like that They have another ranked team, you know, on Saturday coming into town and in Providence. Like I, it's always nice. I think when you can maybe bounce back or try to bounce back versus a really good team, that's going to have all their focus. And, and so that, that one will uh, will be interesting and we'll see what the crowd looks like on, uh, on Saturday afternoon at the, at CHI.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be pretty good and, and they're going to need it. Well, I mean, if you want to dive even further into that, Saturday home games, um, so Providence, Saturday mm-hmm. home game, mm-hmm. Xavier, Saturday mm-hmm. home game, Villanova, Saturday home game, UConn, Saturday home game. Um, yeah, you're going to – The gonna, Saturday
2: home game gods rewarded the Blue Jays this year.
1: That's <laughs> nice, That's some nice stuff. You're going to need those. You're, you're going to need those, and you're going to need the crowds to show up big. So, as we mentioned, uh, a, a flip from yep. Tenner the last time we talked about these two teams and – uh, and we'll, of course, catch up with them again, because like we said, these this is kind of the only thing going right now in Creighton athletics. We're getting closer to, um, you know, baseball starting. God, to that's what up. a month from now. Right. Baseball's like almost here. Almost exactly a month and some spring sports starting up. But um, all eyes are on the uh, Creighton men and women right now. Uh, all right, Josh. Uh, good stuff. Maybe next time we'll talk. I don't know. Maybe things will flip again or they're both up next time.
2: Yeah, way. seriously. It, it's crazy how we have done this now. I think this is our third kind of, hey, let's do a little check in. And every time one team has gone on the up and up and the other has gone back down. And so, yeah, if that trend is to continue, congrats to the men on a nice 2-0 stretch uh, <laughs> or maybe more. And the women, we're, we apologize because you're about to go uh, on, a, on a losing streak. But hopefully next time we're talking, we're not we're not discussing those types of things.
0: So now here on the 1620 The Jays podcast, let us dig into the resume that Creighton has so far and maybe try to alleviate some concerns that the Jays may not make the NCAA tournament. Now, certainly, uh, if things do not turn around and the Jays don't start stringing together some wins, that certainly is a distinct possibility. But with a 9-8 and record after 17 games and we're just past halfway in the season, there is still a pathway for the Jays to advance to the NCAA tournament. And with the team that is this talented, can still pretty much be one of those lower seeded teams that makes a deep run. First off, the quad one standings the jays and this is as of friday morning the jays are one and six against quad one competition and for those who aren't familiar the net rankings are the sorting mechanism they replaced the rpi about four years ago it's the sorting mechanism to kind of determine your strength of schedule and who you've beaten the quality of teams you've beaten and where you have beaten them so for example quad one games uh any team rated in the top 30 of the net that you play at home would be a quad one win that range extends from one through 50 for neutral site games with of which the jays have five of those this year and then the away games it's the top 75 teams in the net that all get sorted into the quad one bucket so so far in the first half of the season the jays are one and six against quad one competition the one win coming over arkansas and arizona state most recently has entered this fray after their victory over oregon on thursday night so those teams yukon texas arizona marquette arkansas xavier arizona state all are in that quad one bucket right now quad two bucket only three games so far texas tech seton hall and byu jays have won two of those three the other things that the committee will look at, and there's a lot of different things, each committee member kind of prioritizes things a little bit differently, but obviously they're going to look at the metrics, the predictive metrics, and right now, Ken Palm, which is one of the most popular metrics out there, it's one that I certainly like to lean on for you know different rankings and statistics but in ken palm right now the jays are a top 20 team they're 19th in fact it's higher than at any point during their 6-0 and start to the regular season so the jays certainly have uh made up some ground there despite the again nine and eight record the other thing the committee will look at is how well did you schedule and this is where creighton is going to have its biggest argument The Blue Jays, of course, with the trip to Maui and so many great teams that were over there, including top 10 rated teams, Arkansas and Arizona, uh, that has helped Creighton's strength of schedule tremendously also the fact that BYU has played good basketball since upsetting the Jays in Las Vegas and the aforementioned Arizona State Wildcats, those two games that happened in Las Vegas. So those five games altogether have really lifted Creighton's non-conference strength of schedule, not to mention the road game at Texas. Texas currently is the number nine team in the net rankings and the Jays only fell by five at Texas. That's likely going to stay a quad one game for the entire of the season so based on all of the strength of the non-conference schedule the Jays are ranked 26th in the country in non-conference strength of schedule a really really good number I know I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you here so I'll try to make it be as descriptive and de- and deliberate as possible as we go through the rest of this exercise because now what I want to do is compare Creighton to other teams in recent history, and by recent, we're going back to 2017, that have gone into the NCAA tournament with as many as 14 losses. I know the Jays only have eight right now, but Biggie's schedule being what it is, it could be difficult for Creighton to stay under the 14 loss column this season. So we're going to compare Creighton's current resume halfway through the season, to these other schools that did make the NCAA tournament as at-large teams who all, all had at least 14 losses. But before we do that, let's take a look at the remaining schedule for the Blue Jays. There are 14 games remaining as of Saturday morning prior to the Jays playing against Providence At home, CHI Health Center will have coverage here on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg starting at 1130 in the morning. Now, right now, Providence is just outside the top 30 of the net rankings. So technically, tomorrow's game, even though you're beating an undefeated in the Big East Providence team, wouldn't yet qualify as a quad one victory. But with Providence being right there on the cusp of the top 30, there's a chance they could pop back in there. As of Friday morning, the Jays only have five quad one opportunities left this season. Three home games, Xavier, UConn, and Marquette, all inside of the top 20 of the net rankings. And then there are two road games that would qualify currently as quad one. Providence, again, it's a top 75 net ranking that gets you a quad one road win. And Seton Hall, Seton Hall is 71st, so, 71st. so they're right on the cusp of staying inside of the uh, of quad one right now. But as of today, there are five more quad one opportunities left this season. Jays have seven home games, seven road games remaining over the course of the rest of the Big e schedule. So with that said, let's take a look at some of these most recent examples of teams that have made it with as many as 14 losses. And the reason I picked that number was because when you look at the balance of the schedule moving forward, right now if you're, if you're the Blue Jays, and this again is going into the NCAA tournament, so we're not counting any potential games in Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament, but if you look right now, If the Jays could end up with nine more wins in the regular season, so winning nine out of 14, that would put the Jays' record at 18. And I'm doing the math here. One, two, three, four, five. uh, That would put it at 18 and 13. Jays would be 18 and 13 going into the Big East tournament. Then if you assume, because... For this purposes of this exercise, we're assuming the Jays need an at-large bid. Obviously, if they go to Madison Square Garden and they win the whole weekend, they're going to get the automatic bid, and so none of this conversation is going to matter. So let's just play on the assumption that the Jays can finish the regular season with a 9-5 and five record. If they finish 9-5, and five, they will go into the Big East Tournament with a record of 18-13. and 13. So, these are the schools over the last five NCAA tournaments that all made it as an at-large team with 14 losses. The most recent example is last year, a Michigan team that advanced to the Sweet 16. Michigan entered the postseason with a record of 17-14. and 14. They lost their first game in the Big Ten tournament, so they didn't even help their resume with at least one win in the conference tournament. Michigan had an identical net ranking of 27th to where Creighton currently stands. They were actually 18 spots worse in Ken Palm. Their non-conference strength of schedule was stronger than the Blue Jays is currently. Michigan's last year was 11th. The area where Creighton is really going to have an issue potentially with the committee is in the quad one category. Because all of these teams that I looked at, and it's 2022 Michigan, 2019 Florida and Ohio State, 2018 Texas, and 2017 Michigan State, they all had at least 16 games played against quad one opponents. If the current standings hold, and again, there's going to be some flexibility as teams move up and down, but as the current standings hold, the Jays right now are sitting on seven quad one games with the potential of adding five more. So that would only be 12. That would come in far less than any of these teams that we're looking at. So to me, that's the area where you have the most concern, is that the Jays wouldn't have as many quad one games played as the schools that I'm going to mention. But in the other metrics, the non-conference strength of schedule, the Ken Palm rating, and Creighton's own net ranking, they all compare very favorably to this bunch in fact of this group of teams it was last year's michigan team that had the best overall numbers even though they came in with the worst record of the bunch they were just 17 and 14 after leaving the big 10 tournament back in 2019 both florida and ohio state made it into the ncaa tournament florida actually entered with a with 15 losses that postseason ohio State with 14. Now, Florida and Ohio State did improve their lot a little bit in their conference tournament. Florida won their first two games before losing to Auburn in the semifinals. Ohio State won their first game in the Big Ten tournament before losing to Michigan State in the quarterfinals. But their net rankings were a little worse. In fact, Ohio State's was 55th and in Ken Palm, they were 44th. And both Florida and Ohio State's non-conference strength of schedule, Florida was only 65th and Ohio State was 82nd. So again, the Jays' very strong non-conference strength of schedule is going to be one of their biggest selling points if we get to that moment where we have to talk about an at-large bid. Going back to 2018, the Texas Longhorns earned a 10 seed as an at-large. They entered the postseason at 19-14, and 14. The Longhorns won their first game in the Big 12 tournament before getting knocked out by Texas Tech in the quarterfinals. Texas, again, their net ranking was only top 60. Their Ken Palm was respectable at 36th, and their non-conference strength of schedule was 71st. So again, not as good as the Jays are currently. And then the final team for this exercise goes back to 2017 when Michigan State got in as a nine seed. The Spartans under Tom Izzo entered the postseason with 19 wins and 14 losses. They went one and one in their conference tournament before advancing to the NCAAs. Michigan State had also, like last year's Michigan team, very strong non-conference strength of schedule. They were 14th, but their net ranking and their Ken Palm were just only inside of the top 50. So again, I know I've thrown out a lot of numbers here for you, and um, certainly that can kind of confuse the issue just a little bit. But right now, in Creighton's favor, is their strong net ranking, top 30, and their strong Ken Palm, which is currently top 20, and their non-conference strength of schedule, which is 26th. The check mark in the negative column right now is that opportunity to add more quad one games. Currently, the Jays are sitting at seven games played with only a one in six record. And as of today, this being recorded Friday morning prior to the Providence game, the Jays currently only have five more opportunities to add quad one games. Now, again, the standings will change. Some teams will get better. Some teams will get worse. And those numbers are going to fluctuate as the year goes on. But really, when you look at what the Jays need to do, obviously, first, they need to get at least those nine more Regular season wins, and their wins are going to be out there as the Jays have obviously played a pretty top heavy front half of the Big East schedule. They still have both their games against Georgetown, one more game against DePaul, and then you've got games against St. John's and Villanova, who right now are barely inside of the top 100 of the net rankings. But Their margin for error based on that six-game losing streak is certainly much smaller. And as we've seen, even some of the better Jays teams of recent years have stumbled, especially on the road, against so-called lesser teams. So this is where the Jays really have to make up the difference because getting wins against the top teams in the Big East, they still have home games against Providence, Xavier, UConn, and Marquette. I think the Jays are going to have to at least win two of those And then hope you don't stumble badly against some of the lower tier teams in the Big East, especially on the road, because you're playing most of them away from home. There's a game next week against Butler. Obviously, Hinkle Fieldhouse has been a very difficult place for Creighton to play in recent years. You've got Georgetown, who right now is the absolute boat anchor of the Big East Conference. They're only 251st in the net rankings. And, of course, they are on a all-time Big East record 27-game conference losing streak. That would be a bad one to take either at home or on the road for the Jays. They still have Seton Hall, St. John's, Villanova, and DePaul on the road. And, of course, very tough game against Providence, another place, the old Dunkin' Donut Center, which has been difficult for the Jays to get wins. But right now, you're looking at at least getting nine more regular season games before the uh, Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden and hoping that you get at least a couple of those wins against the quad one competition, whether it be a Xavier or a Yukon or a Marquette or a Providence, because those games are going to matter a little bit more. It's the one thing on Creighton's resume that is, is going to be again, a check Mark in the negative column is not as many quad one games and potentially not as many quad one wins because even in some of the teams that I just examined, uh, Ohio State and Florida back in 2019 each had five wins against quad one. Well, the Jays currently only have one. So even to hit the low bar that those two teams hit back in 2019, Jays still need four more quad one victories uh, to at least match that mark. And certainly any games that they play in Madison Square Garden will also count towards this exercise granted that's going to be likely the easiest way for the Jays to get in and that is to just go to Madison Square Garden and sweep the weekend and get the automatic bid. Jays have never done it though before and against the Big East Conference it's uh, as we've seen very difficult to, uh, to go and cut down the nets at MSG. So that's a brief look at you know what creighton kind of has standing in front of it moving forward we'll certainly keep tracks on this and uh, update it as the season goes on and uh, again teams will be moving up and down the net ranking so that that quad one number is going to be very fluctuating as we get deeper in the season as some teams improve some teams stagnate and some teams potentially get a little bit worse But we've got plenty to come for you in future editions of the 1620 The Jays podcast. We'll get back to our interview schedule here uh, very soon. Also, I want to remind you that we still have lots of Jays basketball coming up this weekend. We mentioned the Providence game. The Providence game uh, at CHI Health Center, 1 o'clock is tip-off time against the Friars, who are currently undefeated and on a nine-game winning streak that game, 1 o'clock at CHI Health Center, Omaha, with our pregame coverage starting at 30. That game can be heard on 1620 the zone and 1019 the keg. Then next up for the men, they will go on the road to Indianapolis to rematch against the Butler Bulldogs. Pregame time will be at 5:30 Omaha time. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. That again is on Tuesday night. The women are off until next Friday where the Jays will play Villanova and you'll be able to hear that game on Sister Station 1180 The Zone. That will be Friday night with an 8 o'clock tip-off time. Speaking of Friday, we'll be back next weekend, next Friday or a brand new edition of the 1620 to Jays podcast, which is brought to you each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Now, for my colleagues, Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop, wishing you a pleasant weekend, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the 1620 The Jays podcast, a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha.